Welcome everybody back to Friar Talk. I hope your days are going really well. Today we're going to be doing an MLB episode and we're going to be giving our five biggest surprises of the first half of the 2023 MLB season. Uh, we got five different points that we're going to go through. So let's kick it off right away. First off, this will be the, the only part with the Padres in it. The National League failures, biggest surprises, the Padres, the Mets and the Cardinals. All three of these teams are sitting well below 500 right now. Obviously, the Cardinals are in the worst spot. They, they've been a disaster. They basically just announced that they're going to be selling. Uh, the Mets, second on that w- list of, of failing. Uh, they're kind of still alive, I guess, but Steve Cohen has basically came out and said that he's he's willing to sell this team and he's willing to kind of retool a little bit because it hasn't been good. Pete Alonso got hurt for a while. He's came off the aisle. He struggled a lot. Uh, the pitching's been up and down. We've There's been injuries there, something that we kind of expected with just how old this team is. And a lot of money was put in this team, but it was put into a very old player. So that's hurt him a lot. And then the Padres, which, I mean, you can make the argument that they're the biggest failure of this group so far just because the expectations were so much higher for this ball club. But I do think that they're a little bit more alive. Now, time will tell if any of these teams are able to bounce back or do anything. I am not counting on the Cardinals being able to do that. But so far, I think this is... One of the biggest surprises is these National League failures. Yeah, and it, it's not good for baseball. You don't want to see the Padres and the Mets especially failing because that, you know, it's going to give owners and, and Rob Manfred an excuse to say, hey, well, I mean, clearly it's not the best idea to spend a lot of money because it doesn't put a winning product on the field. And we don't want that. We want the Padres and the Mets both in it at the end. Um, so that way teams are more encouraged to spend money. That way players aren't getting underpaid, anything like that. Um, it, it's not good that these two teams in particular are failing, but you look at the Cardinals um, picked up Wilson Contreras. And I think, I think in the back of everyone's mind, like we knew, Hey, they were going to have trouble because they don't have pitching their best pitcher or their opening day pitcher. Who was it? Mikolas or Wainwright. They're both old. So they're not very good pitchers. I mean, and they're not very good pitchers anymore. So um, their best pitcher right now though, has been Jordan Montgomery and he might get sold. So um, I guess not too surprising to see the cards, not, being a good team, I didn't expect them to be this bad, but um, it's not surprising that they're not in the thick of it right now. The Mets, yeah, you know, like you said, they put a lot of their resources into into Scherzer and Verlander in particular, two old guys that aren't really paying off for them right now, uh, both over a four ERA, I believe. And um, it's not working out for them. They have the highest payroll or, yeah, I think the highest payroll in baseball. And it's not going good. Pete Alonso has been struggling heavily. Lindor just got hot, but he's been struggling throughout the season. So not a good not a good start for the Mets, and I don't know if they'll be in it at the end. But the one team that everyone has faith in still is the Padres. Everyone still thinks they'll be in it at the end. Everyone still thinks they'll make the playoffs. I think us as fans know, like, well, this is a really big two weeks. We'll see. This is going to determine everything. And I do think they'll be in it too. But they have a lot of ground to make up. And as of right now, they've been the biggest disappointments in baseball. And you could say that's the Mets just because of the money they spent, but I don't think the Mets lineup is, is our lineup. I mean, Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, Jay Cronover, you go from top to bottom, you got stars, all stars, like three war, four war, five war players, shit, even seven, sorry, seven war players. Um, So, I mean, you got really good guys from top to bottom and one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. So I, I would say we are the biggest disappointment, not trying to be biased, but, um, we are luckily still in the thick of it. So I know how we like everybody kind of thought, you know, maybe in the back of our mind, the Cardinals might be it. 
Well, let's go back to last year. And I just remember talking about it with uh, someone who was a Cardinals fan. The Cardinals only made playoffs because they went on, what was it, the 19-win streak in a row to end the season off? If they didn't have that, they wouldn't have made playoffs, and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. We kind of knew what they were last year. They just got very hot, went on a huge win streak, and made playoffs. They're the same team minus Yachty, and you have added Wilson Contreras, and they're still having the same problems, and they're kind of in a similar situation to where they were last year. Uh, The Mets, yeah, I mean – I know we all have our feeling about the Mets on here, but it's not good for baseball to see a team paying that much money, albeit in very old talent at the back end of their careers, being unsuccessful. Because our team and the Mets, spending all this money and not making potentially not making playoffs just gives more power to owners like the A's, where they're not going to establish any winning team. They're just going to spend as least the amount of money as possible and put a team out there on the field just to make revenue. And it hurts baseball when guys are underpaid, when you have teams that are just going to be cheap bastards like the A's who basically, hey, you know what? Oh, we're not putting fans in the stands. It's because you guys are not trying to put a winning product on the field and it hurts baseball. Everybody knows that the A's are just going to be like, okay, cool. Anytime they develop a guy, they're just going to trade him away because they're not going to pay him. That's how it is. And the Padres were like that for a while. And now that they're not, it's great to see. Now they sell out the stadium every single time they're in Petco. They may not win, but hey, they put fans in the stands and the city supports them. They rally around them. So that being said... Now we're going to the Padres. You look kind of just go player by player between the Mets and the Padres, and you look at the Padres team and you go, well, this team is obviously that much better. They have younger pitching. Their pitching is doing a lot better. You know, they actually have they have a couple injuries in the bullpen more than the Mets. You know, the Mets don't have Edwin Diaz. We don't have Robert Suarez and a couple other guys. But you look at the lineups and you go, well, why are they in this situation? They should be nowhere near each other in sort of records. The Padres should be above 500. The Mets should be above 500, but they dealt with injuries too. The Padres really haven't dealt with that many injuries. I mean, yeah, Xander has a nagging wrist injury. Manny Machado just kind of wasn't there for a little bit. But you still had Tatis. You still had Soto. You still had Kim. You still had Cronenworth. Here you didn't have a catcher or a center fielder. You still had the means to put a decent offense together even without Machado and Bogey. And for the team to struggle as much as it did, even with the pitching being the best in the MLB, both bullpen and starters at the time being the best in the MLB, should have won more games. So, yeah, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest surprises so far this season for the NL at least. Yeah, 100%. And then kind kind of flipping a little bit to you know, from the, the teams that are failing, the young risers in the league. And I think there's three teams. You could bring in a fourth one, but you 100% have to bring up the Baltimore Orioles and the Arizona Diamondbacks, which both teams we were super high on and we thought they were up and coming. We thought they were potential playoff teams, stuff like that. Um, but a third team that I don't think a lot of people expected at all, and I didn't expect them to be that great, the Reds. And they've been great. And what do they all have in common? They all have a young superstar. 
You got Ellie, you got Ellie, you got Corbin Carroll, and you got Adley Rutschman. And I mean, the Orioles have a lot more coming and a lot more, you know, up there right now with that team. It's just super young. And the Diamondbacks are the same way. You know, they got a good rotation with Zach Allen leading the way. But these are teams that are going to be good for a long time because they took the route of we're going to develop our guys and we're going to build a young core. And anyone, I mean, you guys see the Reds crowd. Like you were just talking about the crowd chase with the Padres. The Reds crowd is pumped. Um, I don't know about the Diamondbacks, how pumped they've been, to be honest. I, haven't, I feel like I haven't been watching that much. Um, but the Orioles crowd, Orioles fans, Baltimore fans are super pumped. I mean, you see how big of like big that city is with the Ravens. The Orioles can kind of get back into it because our whole lives, they've made the playoffs like twice. They've, they are, they've not been good throughout our whole lives. So it's really cool to th- see these cores kind of being built up and see these teams um, being able to be developed. So the young risers and those three teams have been way better than anyone's expected. You could also toss in the Marlins just because, you know, no one really expected them as much. But I think they're on a little bit di- – they're in a little bit different of a situation than the other three teams. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I didn't expect – I don't think I really expected the Red. Definitely didn't expect the Reds just because I didn't anticipate Ellie De La Cruz coming up. Uh, Matt McLean being this good. Spencer Steer. I think that's his name, Spencer Steer. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Abbott is really good. I mean, they just, they're really good right now. And they're one of the hottest teams in baseball. Um, but the Orioles, man, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if we anticipated them being at 50 something wins right now. I don't think that was our assumption even with the diamondbacks i didn't expect them to be like this i think our main consensus throughout the season or before the season started was they're going to be good but they'll probably be fifth or sixth seeds or barely miss the playoffs neither of us i think neither of us thought they'd be 50 win teams at this point and they've been really good i mean zach gallon's been really good he just started the all-star game i believe um correct me if i'm wrong on that i really i didn't watch it but um i was in protest but, uh, yeah, so Zach Gallen just started the All-Star game. Adley Rutschman's one of the superstar, if not the – he's one of the superstar catchers. He might be the best catcher in baseball um, after Sean Murphy, I guess. So best catcher in the AL, I guess you could say. Um, Ellie De La Cruz is going to be a perennial All-Star for years to come here soon. Corbin Carroll, same thing. I mean, I don't think the Marlins are honestly that good. Um, I do think they've been getting really lucky. Um, Luis Arias though, we'll be talking about him here soon, but he's going for, he's going for history. He's batting almost 400. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely some surprises here because this, these were young teams. These are young teams. They're supposed to be up and comers. They weren't supposed to be heavyweights. And here they are in the middle of the season as some of the heavyweights in all of baseball. I'm probably going to say a very unpopular opinion here because we're Padres fans and we love Tatis, but Ellie De La Cruz might usurp. Tatis's, you know, most electric player title from him. I mean, uh, was it the game before the All-Star break happened? He singled, stole second, stole third, stole. Until Tatis does that, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, he's just been one of those. It's kind of like when Tatis first entered the league. He was doing a bunch of ridiculous things that, you know, you could do as a young player. Tatis doesn't. He still has that aggressiveness, but he's not pedal to the metal like Ellie De La Cruz is right now. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. Tatis has never stole home plate. Ellie quite literally straight up stole home. And you, we've seen it a couple times this year, surprisingly. There's been two instances, and Ellie's one of them. He's got, like, the same type of build that 
Tatis has. He's got the fucking my bad. Uh, that he's got a tremendous amounts of power. He's got the speed to go with it. He might be the fastest MLB player. He's up there for with Corbin Carroll for sure. Tatis is up there too, but Ellie is just kind of a the star right now in the MLB, um, along with Shohei. Um, that being said, I always said that the Orioles and D-backs will probably be like scraping by maybe making the playoffs was not expecting them to be not the Orioles to be 50 plus wins or the Diamondbacks to be in first place for as long as they have been. They're currently tied for first with the Dodgers, but for a while, the D-backs were out there solo running the NL West from pretty much the very beginning. And no one saw that coming. The Reds, I don't think anybody saw that coming. The Reds look like they sold, and then next thing you know, they go on this red-hot streak. Ellie De La Cruz comes up, and they haven't really stepped off the gas since. Uh, sort of knew the Marlins would be good. They always had the rotation. They just never had the offense, and it looks like with Luis Arias kind of being the catalyst there that they've won a little bit more games than they should have. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about two Marlins players up next, so I'm just going to go ahead and skip to, yeah, the Marlins are good. Kind of suspected they would be good. Um, don't know how much longer they're going to last because of some pitching troubles. So uh, with that, let's, let's go to the next topic. Yeah, yeah. So, so you – okay, you bring up the – we're going to talk about two Marlins back-to-back topics. First one up, Sandy Alcantara and Alec Manoa. The disasters of the seasons that they have had are extremely surprising. And Chase, not to put you on blast here, man, but I believe we did a top five pitchers in the league, and I'm pretty sure that you put Sandy Alcantara at number one. And he has not been the he. I mean, Alec Manoa's season has been been worse, but Sandy Alcantara coming off a Cy Young winning season, he's sitting right now at a four seven two ERA, eighteen games started. He's Struck out only 94 guys in 114 innings pitch, and he has a one-two whip. The whip's not that that bad, but he was never a crazy strikeout guy. But he has fallen off extremely hard from just the monster season he had last year. He's still pitching a lot of innings, still going deep in the games and stuff, but he has not been nearly as effective. And if you look at his numbers, his his FIP sitting at three eight six, so like you know maybe it's going to go back down and stuff. But overall, really, really kind of just falling apart season for him. And then Alec Manoa. I mean, Alec Manoa is only almost at a six ERA right now. Uh, he got sent. His his whip is at a just shy of a one eight. Um, just absolute disaster. Now he didn't win Cy Young last year like Alcantara, but he finished in third place in the voting, and he was sent down this year. And then I don't know how many people know this. I feel like this was pretty widespread on MLB, you know, social media and stuff. He gets sent down. His first rehab start gets absolutely rocked. He allowed like, I want to say it was like 10 runs or nine runs or something in like two innings. It was a disaster. 11? It was 11 runs in two in an inning and two thirds or two innings and two thirds. It was horrible. Now, he did end up having another uh, another like a assignment start in, um, I don't know what, I think it was, I think it was A-ball. And he looked really good in the next one. So hopefully he bounced back. Hopefully just working out some mechanics, but these two guys, I don't think anyone was expecting, you know, f- coming back from a Cy Young and a third and finishing the Cy Young to being as bad as they have been. So really crazy stuff in that regard. 
Yeah, uh, Alec Manoa just came back, and he had one good start. He went six and allowed one. But other than that, he's been pretty abysmal. Coming from a top five Cy Young uh, finish and and the ace of the of the Jays staff, the Jays being one of the best teams in baseball, one of the most exciting teams in baseball, uh, dealing for Dart, Dalton Bar show, uh, improving their lineup. I mean, they came out as maybe one of the favorites to win the World Series, if not get there. Um and that was going to be on the back of their ace, Alec Manoa. And he's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Didn't have good a good rehab. His first rehab start wasn't good. Um, this was his first MLB game pitched since the beginning of June. And he looked good against the Tigers. But he looked good. Um, definitely a surprise, though. I mean, I don't think anyone expected this from either of these two pitchers. Sandy Alcantara, last year, I mean, his baseball savant numbers last year weren't crazy. But... He struck out enough guys to where he was still going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. His uh, K, per K percentile was 55 last year. Right now it's 28. That's a significant drop off. And I think that's where his big problems have stemmed from is just not, the ability to not be able to strike out guys in the, in the division like theirs where you got the Braves and, and other good teams in there. Um, you're not really going to get by with not striking out a lot of guys, especially as a starting pitcher. And, that I do believe that's where a lot of his his problems have come from, and it's a fixable problem. I mean, he's a great. I still think he's a great pitcher. Um, I just don't know if he'll get to that level again, but he can. And those two have definitely been two of the most disappointing pitchers in baseball, though. I mean, you look at it throughout the league. I don't think there's been any pitchers with that sort of season that they had last year that dropped off as drastic as they did this year. So, I mean. I'm hoping Manoa bounces back. I think he's a fun player. However, I don't hope Alcantara bounces back because the Padres are trying to reach that wild card spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, disappointing seasons from them too, for sure. For the sake of being Sandy Alcantara's biggest fan, I hope he does bounce back. I hope the rest of the Marlins team falls apart, but Sandy Alcantara does good. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I had him ranked one, but I for sure had him top two. Um, it's not looking great right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I know the year before that I had him top 10 and then he had his Cy Young year and I was like, okay, well, cool. He's popped off. We should have traded for him. And now he's kind of, he's struggling. There's no other way to put it. Um, he does have the stuff to bounce back. You know, he's got the high nineties fastballs. He's got the stamina to do it. He's got the rubber arm. He's got the changeup. He's got the slider. Don't know what's going on. He's just not putting hitters away like he did last year. Uh, I know his K per nine last year even wasn't all that great, but kind of goes down when you go, you know, nine innings, seven innings, almost every start. Um, still going deep into games. He's just having troubles either getting guys out or getting guys to ground out. And he, people are just starting to elevate the ball a little bit more against him, and he's getting hurt because of it. Um uh, I think he'll bounce back. I hope Alec Manoa bounces back. I like the Blue Jays. They have a nice little, uh, nice roster going. He's fun to watch. I like rooting for him. He gives other teams trust. Other teams don't like him. He embraces kind of that villain role, which is always nice to have in baseball. And just kind of hard to see one guy go, both of them go from potential Cy Youngs to one of the worst pitchers in the league. The other one just falling off a little bit more than he's not one of the worst pitchers in the league, but he definitely fell off hard. 
Okay, so let's keep it with the Marlins here. Luis Arias is potentially he's going for history right now. Now he was at 400 earlier in the year. He's hitting at 383 right now, but he's one of these players in baseball that it feels like the whole sport had kind of changed and shifted away from, you know, instead of, instead of hitting for average, we're done with that. The league's done with that. The pitching's got too good. Instead, everyone, let's just build our teams to have power hitters that strike out a bunch and walk a bunch and see a bunch of pitches to get these, you know, dominant arms out early in games. And, you know, with the with velocities, with movement on stuff getting so much better, feels like the contact hitter is now I don't want to say died, but the amount of contact hitters you see in the sport is slowed down. And then all of a sudden Luis Arias is in here and he's potentially going after a four hundred batting average. He has a three he has three home runs on the season and he has over a nine hundred OPS. So he's kind of proven that like, hey, you don't have to be this new mold of like power hitting, strike out a bunch, walk a bunch kind of guy that hits for a low average, but you know, you produce war because you hit the ball far. He's he's changing a lot. Um, I, I want to say he went two for two in the All-Star game. Um, so overall, I mean, it's been cool. Last year, I, I think he he's, he's won the batting title. He won a silver slugger last year. Uh, back-to-back All-Star years now. Uh, the, the Twins are probably kicking themselves for trading him. So it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, Pablo Lopez has been good. Um, but Luis Arias hitting almost 400 right now is – is making a lot of headlines, and I do see it bugs me a little bit. I do see a lot of people saying he's the new Tony Gwynn. I'd like to see it for a little longer than just you know what what is what are we eighty games in, eighty five games in to call him a new Tony Gwynn. But um, you know, hitting four hundred for I mean this this long, especially in a league where guys are throwing hundred miles per hour with cutters that go from one side of the plate to the others, sliders that start at your knees and end on the other side of the plate. I mean, sliders that look like they're going to hit you and they don't. There's guys that are throwing some of the best stuff ever right now. And he's still going out there and producing like one of the greatest hitters of all time. in Tony Gwynn, um, he's able to spray the ball to all parts of the field. I think something that that's kind of been going away in baseball is, is that ability to spray the, spray the ball where it's pitched. And he's really good at that. Um, his approach at the plate, he's got a, I would, I would say a never say die approach to where he goes up there and he does when he's at two strikes, he does not, you know, he, he shortens up his swing and he hits the ball the other way or does that's like one of the arts of hitting that um, you, you very rarely see anymore. And he does it very well. And um, don't get me wrong. Like I love, I like the power aspect of the game, but it is very easy to appreciate what has been preached all throughout, all throughout baseball for all of our lives, all of time is that he doesn't really strike out and he goes the other way and he's able to hit the ball everywhere. I mean, his spray chart is, is insane. His K percentile is in the hundredth percentile. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, yeah, you look at it, his average average exit velocity isn't high. His max exit below isn't high. Hard hit percentage is low, but he's able to take the ball where it's pitched and it's helped him a lot. So um, yes, it's a bunch of singles, but a 900 OPS. He's one of those guys where you don't need him to win championships, but it sure makes it a hell of a lot easier. Think about it. If the Padres had a guy that could get on base or just hit the ball as much as he did, how many more games we would have won just because he could have drove someone in with a single because no one else on this team can hit when no one was hitting? Like, Or, hey, you know what? 
oh, we put him in front of Tatis or Soto. We might win a couple of those close games because guess what? Those solo shots turn into two run shots, maybe three run shots potentially. It's just one of those things where, yeah, you don't need a contact hitter to win, but sometimes they're kind of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Not missing, but forgotten necessity in the game is, hey, yeah, power and walking a lot. Yeah, you can win games with it. But having a guy that can just hit and spray the ball to every part of the field, especially with guys on, when you can just keep the same approach, it prevents teams from shifting. And I think that's one of the best things you can do because if a team can't shift on you, you can just nail it back up the middle as much as you want. And if they do that, okay, you're going to hit it to the one spot they shifted on because you have the power to do that. You're just kind of an unstoppable force. That's, you know, the uh, unstoppable object meets the immovable uh, wall or whatever the saying is. But it's kind of like that. It's it's just kind of – he's just there and he's making history. And you know what? It's unappreciated or underappreciated for what it is yeah i'm there with you i like your i like your analogies too there chase <laughs> um but but last one last one i think this is this is probably one of our favorites and and these are guys that 2018 what was it all about yelly and belly racing for the mvp last few years they both these guys completely fell off where I've watched multiple videos on it. There's so much stuff out there. What happened to Yelly and Belly? They're in commercials. They're the big shots. You know, Cody Bellinger is the star of the Dodgers. Well, this year, they're back in a sense. Right now, they're 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 productive players finally, and it has been quite some time. So right now, both of them are sitting at a 128 OPS plus. Uh, Cody Bellinger's just hitting under 300. Uh, Christian, he only has nine home runs. Christian Yelich has 11 bombs. So they're not like, they're not back on that MVP level, but they're back to being productive players and good players. And I think that's amazing for the sport just because their fall off was something that was just so weird. Uh, Cody obviously had the swing, get all jacked up and stuff. And, and Christian Yelich had kind of a little bit of a up and down stretch for a while, but it's cool that they're back being productive players after, you know, the, the high that they had in 2018. So it, it's amazing to see this. Yeah, you said this is one of our favorite things. This is my favorite thing, bro. I mean, this is what we live for. This is what we wanted to see. This is the end of our – this is the last MVP race I saw before becoming an adult. So, yeah, this is what I live for. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, those guys had commercials. Those guys were – you know, 35 plus home run guys, easily two of the best, the two best players in baseball. They both had great gloves. I mean, they were so fun to watch. They faced off in the NLCS or NLDS. And I mean, they both didn't do that good, if I remember correctly. Christian Yelich did okay. But I mean, they faced off. This was so fun. This That year in baseball was so fun because that was one of the craziest MVP races that we had seen in recent memory. And then they were never to be heard of. I mean, they were heard of. Everyone talked about them. But them being in the MVP race was never heard of again. And I think Yelich's fall off was a little more drastic just because of the contract. He got a really big contract and he hadn't lived up to it up until, I mean, this year he's kind of living up to it. 
Um, but he hadn't lived up to it, and it was really, really hurting the Brewers. Belly, not so much because he hadn't gotten a fat contract. But the falloff was drastic, man. And I think that's the thing in baseball is you could have a few really good years, and then you fall off, and then you're never to be heard of again. It seems like baseball has some of the hardest falloffs. And it's really hard to bounce back in baseball because it is a lot, a lot of it is a mental game where, you know, if you have one bad year, now you're to shit. If your mental goes to shit, you're done. And it it seems like that was kind of that way for both Bellinger and Yelich. And not to mention both of them had pretty severe injuries. Um, so to see them doing this now, uh, Bellinger's on the Cubs now, luckily, instead of the Dodgers, but, Yelly still with the Brewers. I mean, this is great to see. And I know for Belly, his baseball savant says, hey, he might fall off. But shit, let us enjoy it for now because this is super fun to see, man. I mean, we've all wanted them back. Them back is good for baseball because they were two household names. And they're so fun that we want them to be household names again. So um, them putting up 830 OPS is 127 OPS plus um, and, and being some of the top outfielders in baseball. That's what we live for, bro. <laughs> it was almost like it was becoming a myth, like Belly versus Yelly. Do you guys remember that? It was like one of those – it was a magical season. I mean, they were neck and neck with each other. And I believe didn't both of them also participate in the home run derby that year? Uh, at least I think I remember that might have happened. I know for sure Belly did, but it was one of those things. They were everywhere. They had posters. They had commercials. They were always being posted on social media. Who who do you have, Belly or Yelly? You know, everybody that hated the Dodgers, Yelly. Dodgers fans, Belly. That was That's kind of how it went. Both of them, 35-plus home runs, over 300, 310 averages, stealing bases, gold gloves. They were the whole package. They were looked like they were going to be the MVP race Every single year after that, just who's going to win the NL MVP this year? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Yelly again or is it going to be Belly? And it was a nice little rivalry to have. And then the next year, they just dropped off the face of the earth. Belly had his shoulder injury. Yelly had his back injury, which led to the Trent Grisham error in 2019, which cost the Brewers the game. And now here we are. Belly doesn't get hurt. We don't have Trent Grisham. We won't have to deal with him. But that's a different scenario. And, you know, you'll see my board with all the pins and rope saying how if Belly was healthy, we would not be in this situation and we would be a better team without Grisham. That's a different video. But um, it's so good to see them back. Uh, both of them have over 800 OPSs, you know, Having both of them back is great for baseball. Seeing both of them, you know, kind of go back to their former selves is just kind of great and a little bit nostalgic in a way. And nostalgia is always good for the game. And plus, you know, you can have arguably both of them, Belly versus Yelly, again for comeback player of the year because both of them have really struggled these past years. They've dealt with injuries. They've had to fix their swings. They've dealt with mental stuff. And now, yeah, the Cubs probably not going to make playoffs, but Yelly could be a legitimate contributor into the Brewers making playoffs, which suck for us because we're going against them for a wild card spot. So we'll see how it goes, but it's great to have it back. 
Yeah, man. And it's it's cool to see, too. And, you know, Bellinger could end up getting traded this year as well. So we'll see kind of if he ends up being on a contending team. The Brewers are in it. Obviously, they're battling with the Reds. So you could potentially see these teams, see on these teams, see these guys match up in the playoffs, which would also be super cool as well. Didn't even think about comeback player of the year potentially being kind of an option for both of them. But, yeah, it's definitely there. So I think that's going to be it for this episode. But let us know if there's if there's any other surprises so far this MLB season, in your opinion. I think these were the big ones, at least for us. We were also thinking about talking about the uh, AL Central as well. But, I mean, we thought it sucked going into the year and like it's just like yeah they're, they're not good but we kind of already knew they weren't good so that was kind of our, our i guess our honorable mention there but i think that's going to do it so so let us know and if there's any other mlb stuff that you want us to talk about we're hoping to kind of bounce around and talk a little bit more about the whole you know the whole mlb opposed to just talking about the padres obviously gonna mostly talk about the padres of course but we want to throw that in there as well and we think it's fun to talk about we want to talk more about baseball too so let us know if there's any ideas you have and let us know if we missed any surprises so far in this season, if there's anyone that's really standing out in this first half of the season. But I think it's going to do it for us today. So thank you all, and have a great night.